back to another episode of the Replacement Level Podcast, the 46th podcast episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. But the podcast is really just 46th episode, nearing 50. Uh, yesterday we did a post trade deadline episode, a little uh, YouTube live on Sports Knot. That was uh, fun. Just me and Chris there, uh, but. And then after that, we had some Larry Stone from Seattle Times. He was a returning guest. Uh, we had him on before. Uh, he spoke some Mariners. Obviously, Chris, uh, his Mariners, so it was a little easier for him to talk. Mariners baseball. Uh, Talked about their trade deadline. But today, we're going to talk. We're going to move to the NL West. Uh, we're, gonna, we're welcoming returning guest Thomas Harding, who has covered the Rockies at MLB.com for over 20 years. Uh, so he's someone that has experience and definitely has seen a ton of baseball in his life. Um, so, Rockies baseball. Uh, Thomas, thanks so much for joining again. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Thomas, uh, we obviously, like what Fall said, we were talking about the trade deadline that just completed here. Uh, Rockies weren't like big time active in it or anything like that obviously weren't buyers or anything but they did make some good moves they were there were sellers what what are your thoughts about the Rockies trade deadline this season and kind of um, overall well let's go back to just um, kind of what fueled their moves they ended up in the at the deadline and I'm going to count the Mike Moustakas trade to the Angels which was I think was last month I'm going to count that part of it they brought in seven minor league pitchers um, some of them high draft picks, a lot of them throw the ball pretty hard. Right-handed, left-handed, it's almost like they recreated a draft by trading some expiring contracts. Um, so I actually think it was pretty good for them because if you look at what's happened to the team this year, they lost uh, Herman Marquez and Antonio Sensatella to Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, those guys, it's going to take into next year. Um, three of their top four prospects as far as pitching is concerned. Gabriel Hughes, last year's number one pick. Jackson Cox, last year's second round pick. And also Jordy Vargas, one of the better players out of the, um, out of the international program. All of those guys had Tommy John surgery at the same time that Senzatella had his. In fact, it was the same doctors. The same doctor did it. It was like a four <laughs> for one special. So what they're trying to do is build some um, depth among the pitching because this is a team that isn't going anywhere in a few years. And I thought that they did a pretty good job removing some um, expiring contracts. Um, they, they made two trades with the Angels and two with the Braves. So they sent the Angels, C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick and also Mike Moustakas, as I mentioned earlier. And then Pierce Johnson and Brad Hand out of the bullpen went to the Braves. So they did move quite a few expiring contracts. So, you, so you obviously when you look at a, a team that hasn't been contested for a few years right now, uh, especially heading into the trade down line where you're in the same position that you've been for three, four years, last place, uh, not really anywhere near a playoff spot, even a wildcard spot, then you're sort of in the position where you're thinking like, hey, we have a few expiring contracts, let's get rid of them. But for me, for the Rockies, uh, I was kind of going in thinking that they would trade guys like Jerickson Profar. Uh, Charlie Black was obviously hurt, but Profar was really someone that I thought the Rockies would trade. Uh, was there anything close? I saw he got a, a little speculation uh, towards the end of the deadline, definitely before that as well, but was there anything close, or was it really just they were thinking of trading it, but not really? 
actually um, multiple sources for me, and I was on the phone all day, of course, with texts and everything else. Multiple sources were telling me he was going to be traded. And it didn't happen. And I found out not too long after the deadline that I think there were a couple of teams that were interested. In, and here's what was happening. There were teams that were on the fence of whether they were in it or not in it. Um, the, and frankly, Profar and Randall Gritchick were two guys that were like, hey, if we can't get the guy we want, we'll go after those guys. I know there was some talk close to the deadline. I was told that there were two teams that were in on Gritchick, but at, at the last moment decided not to make the move. So they did have him out there because he could have gotten them even more as far as pitching is concerned. You look at the last two drafts, they've drafted 30 pitchers. Um, they traded for seven. So they're trying their best because, you know, this is a tough place to pitch and a tough place to develop pitching because Triple A um, Albuquerque is really bad. I mean, you, if you're there and you walk out of a game after giving up five, six, even seven runs, and your coaches are telling you, actually, you did some pretty good stuff. It's just the park here. It's just hard to develop pitching in this organization. So basically what they're trying to do is collect as much pitch, pitching as possible. I mean, I went back to the winter, starting with the winter meetings, and they made three other deals that what did they bring in but minor league pitching. Uh, it's... Um, it, it, it is an interesting approach to the problem here right now because if you look at the system, there are a few young guys that have broken in, but really I think the meat of the offense is still in the minor leagues. So you can kind of plan to hopefully get some guys to the major leagues and improve this pitching situation. Well, I mean, yeah, it'd be great if the Colorado Rockies can get some pitching. That's definitely been one of their Achilles heel for for a long time outside of um, I'm drawing a blank on the year, but the year they made that wild, that run into the World Series and everything with uh, uh, Troy Lewinsky and was it Larry? No, Larry Walker was gone. Matt Holiday. No, it wasn't Larry Walker, but I tell you, that was the uh, that was actually the outlier because the starting pitching wasn't very good. Four of their five starters as of August first were out for the year. The only one that came back was Aaron Cook in the World Series, but. Let's go back to 2017 and 18 when Kyle Freeland, Herman Marcus, Antonio Sensatella broke in. John Gray was already there. Tyler Anderson had some experience. These were first and second year pitchers that got them into the playoffs for two straight seasons. Um, the first season being, you know, with, with three rookies in the rotation. They're trying to rebuild that because here's the problem. In free agency, almost nobody is going to come to the Rockies unless it's their last resort. Let's face it. The, it, it, usually it's someone at the end of their career or someone who has really struggled and maybe you can kind of pick them up um, that way but uh, the, a, a lot of the top pitchers the Rockies will not be in the running for them they can throw all the money they want they don't want to come here so it would probably be cost inefficient if they were to get them as far as um, top pitchers I would imagine that uh, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer on their no-trade clauses probably have the Rockies on there. I mean, that's just a guess on my part, but that's what's going on. So they're trying to build pitching any way possible. So, yeah, a lot of the expiring contracts, and they didn't get Profar moved. Um, and, and that was the guy that that was the only guy of that group that I thought would move because Charlie Blackman, he's in the last year of his deal. 
And it would have been nice to move him to a contender and have him have that one shot at a World Series. But Blackman is out with a fractured right hand. Um, he almost came back on a rehab assignment this week, but he ended up pushing that back a bit. The, the other guy that has the expiring contract that is the interesting story here, and I'll be writing about it in my Rockies Beat newsletter that appears tomorrow, it will be uh, Brent Suter, left-handed reliever. They want to keep him around because they've... They, they, they feel like they have a half-decent bullpen, and they don't want to go completely young in that place. So when you look at, I feel like for year to year at least, when you look at the average Rockies rotation, uh, it's typically your ERAs range from 450 to 6. Uh, I just I see it like this, uh, I don't know. Yes. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've only been a fan for 10-plus uh, years. Um, but at least from what I've seen, I'm obviously had more experience than me. But I, I just feel like for, for the Rockies, at least, it's pitchers coming in and who are brought up in the Rockies organization. It's more like I probably don't have a chance of leaving Colorado, uh, given that I my ERA is five, even though I have great stuff. So when teams come in and look at pitchers from Colorado, they're likely not looking at the pitchers more going to be offensively. So. This is a little bit nothing non-related to the deadline and stuff, but have the Rockies ever thought about relocating? Has that really has that ever been? An, I'm serious. Has that ever been a, something that they thought about? No, they've never thought about that. Here's here's the deal here. But um, what you said, to a degree, that is true. However, let's look at some of the moves. Um, and I, I, I go way back to the early 2000s. Jason Jennings broke in here ended up getting traded to Houston. Now, he had elbow problems after getting there. I, let, let's go back to recently. John Gray, you know, a little bit of an inflated ERA because he pitched here, but he got like $56 million from the Texas Rangers. So other teams know this. They, um, and, and basically, when I'm watching a rotation here, what you've got to do is you almost have to grade it on a curve because the... the, um, the Pitching struggles are real, although a lot of times they have excellent bullpens when they are good. But if you have, say, something in the four twos, then that's probably a three-something. That's a low three somewhere else, and that's how you have to look at it. That's how other teams look at it, too. Uh, but, yeah, if you come up through the Rocky system and you succeed a bit, they do want to hold on to you, and then a lot of those pitchers have a choice to make. Kyle Freeland. Herman Marcus and Antonio Sanzatella made that choice to stay here uh, with their second, with their first big contract, and that will that will get them into their 30s. I think John Gray, uh, when you look at the deal that he got from the Texas Rangers, there may be another deal after that. I do know that when the Rangers were recruiting him, one of the things they used was, you know what, you don't have to deal with that atmosphere, so why don't you come here and pitch? That's why the Rockies try to lock up their young pitchers early, because they know it's hard to retain them in free agency. So I kind of want to piggyback off of that there, Thomas. A couple, two, two questions here. One, we've seen some deals with other organizations where they lock up a star player who they're thinking is going to be their star franchise player, basically right before the season starts when they're going to be their rookie year or soon after the rookie starts. I'm kind of thinking like the Julio Rodriguez deal. I think um, O'Neill Cruz got something like that as well too. Have the Rockies considered that maybe with some of their pitchers that they might have high hopes for and expecting and like kind of avoid that situation you're just talking about? Well, they did it um, going into his third year. They did it with Herman Marquez um, going – 
into his fourth year, they, it, they did it with Kyle Freeland and Antonio Senzatella. So they've already done that. They attempted to do that with John Gray, could not get a deal done. So yeah, when, the, when those guys got them to the playoffs, they're like, you know, we've got to find a way to keep these guys around. And so they've already done that with the young pitching. And I will suspect that if someone comes up and succeeds, they'll try to do that early in their career. So it's, it, it's not like they haven't tried these things. You know, it, it's, it, it's bizarre because having been here as a part of it, I've watched this for year upon year. They did it with Jeff Francis way back, Aaron Cook, guys like that. So that's actually part of the standard operating procedure. The problem is it's so hard to get guys that succeed here to begin with to warrant those contracts. Okay. Did anyone check in on uh, Freeland or Gomber? Was, that, uh, was anyone looking into them? I was hearing that maybe people were looking in on Gomber, but here, here's the deal with Gomber. The Rockies are not going to part with him unless they get probably not just pitching prospects, but somebody who's ready to step into the rotation. If you are a contending team, you're not giving up that type of pitching. Now, if something happens in the offseason where maybe there's a bigger deal involved where it's Gomber and someone else and you really have a blockbuster, but the key to it being uh, a, a major league ready pitcher and a prospect behind them, that may happen. But that sounds like more of an offseason type thing because, you know, Gomber, I think he's heading into his first year of arbitration. So it's a very cheap number there. So what I was told um, kind of before the deadline was that there were some teams that were scouting him during the, during the starts right before the deadline, but the Rockies had no desire to move him, um, basically for the reasons I just mentioned. They, they weren't going to get much back, and it, you don't move Gomber and not really rebuild your rotation when you move him. Have, have the Rockies considered maybe kind of going in an alternate direction instead of trying to load up on pitchers and having them succeed there? Maybe just say, you know what? Pitching's going to be bad. It's going to be hard to get pitchers here. So let's just go out and get a bunch of guys that can play really outstanding defense and just hit a bunch of home runs. Kind of a like a you know classic Bronx Bombers type of reputation of a, of a roster, but out in Colorado, um, you know, and just go more like, hey, listen, we're probably not going to be able to limit your bats but we're going to outscore you in every game possible because we have the atmosphere here the cool thin air and then we also just have guys that can hit and can rake like have they thought about going something of that route okay um i don't know if you guys remember 1995 they were the third year exp expansion franchise and they made the playoffs they knocked the ball all over the park and they played good defense larry walker ellis burks walt weiss up the middle dante bichette also Andres Galarraga. I mean, that they were known as the Blake Street Bombers. It's, it's probably one of the fondest periods in Rockies history. They made the playoffs in 95. It was a 144-game season. Um, the issue was, if it, if it had gotten 162, I don't know that there was enough bullpen to get them to the end of the season. And, and the early part of this franchise's history, they did draft the pitchers, but they knew the pitchers were going to struggle. So with Burks and Walker and Bichette and Eric Young stealing bases, I mean, it was a very good offensive team. The problem was the pitching just couldn't handle it. Um, so, yeah, they've tried that before. Um, and, and I think they're going to try it since. I mean, I'm looking at the, uh, the team now and some of the younger players that are coming up. Ezekiel Tovar, a real, I think, keeper. 
excellent, um, excellent shortstop. You look at the defense from some of the rookies that have come in. Uh, Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle, those guys, you, they have some of the best numbers in the game in the outfield, but they're not hitting. Um, Michael Tolia, a lot of people believe, is going to be a, a gold glove type at first base if he can get the bat going. So you've seen some of that happening now, but, they're go but if you bring in good defense, it's hard to find that combination of good defense and good hitting. You know, there are a lot of glove guys that play in the outfield, but are not great hitters. So they've just got to simply attack their problem by building as good a roster as possible. And I think they, <coughs> excuse me, they got off track when they didn't re-sign DJ LeMahieu a few years ago and uh, Nolan Arenado became unhappy and and they missed on some draft picks. This is what this is what you're watching. So it's almost to to me it feels a little bit expansion like almost in that they're trying to build this thing through the system and you can see that maybe a lot of those folks are a couple of years off. So they've got to go through some pain. So why are you talking about hitters? Uh, I want to talk about one guy in specific that the Rockies really invested in, Chris Bryant, uh, who obviously signed that seven-year, $182 million contract, and he's in his second year right now, that contract. So five years left, and he's only played 107 games with them uh, between this year and last year. He's really spent most of that time on the injury list. Uh, really just a plethora of injuries that have sort of hindered his ability just to get in the field and do what he does best. So... Yeah, I think it's five injured list terms. It's crazy. So contract. what do you think, uh, based off that, uh, either trade him or obviously that wasn't, based off what we saw and his injuries, obviously that wasn't, hasn't really panned out the way m most Rocky fans thought, but is a trade in the works or are they going to hold out to him? I can't imagine a team trading for that contract. The, he, he's owed a whole lot of money. And if he's only played 107 games for the Rockies, and, and I'm another contending team. Do I think he's going to be on the field more? No. They're, they're going to have, to, I mean, he's going to have to find a way to get on the field and not have anything bad happen, basically. I mean, um, I thought that he was one of the players hurt most by the lockout in that there wasn't a full and normal spring training and he was playing catch up and it, it was his back and his right foot. Those are two things that really bother a baseball player. Back when you're swinging, when you have to be out on the field, and, you're, and, and your feet are very important. So um, then he gets over one of those injuries this year. I think he had another foot injury. And what happens? He is hit on the hand by a pitch, and that's why he's out now. He's got a, um, he's got a fractured, I think, index finger on his left hand. So it's between bad health and bad luck. They're just, something's got to turn around. I was talking to him the other day. I'm like, Chris, do you believe in bad luck? He just smiles and goes, yeah. He goes, and he says, listen, at some point, this is going to all come together, and I'm going to be the player that they thought that, that they were getting here. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. You're hoping that, that he's able, you know, well into his 30s to have that year, have that uh, Todd Helton in 2007 and 2009 and 2000, uh, those years late in his career because obviously it really makes up for a lot of youth that's going to be in the lineup, but it hasn't happened for him. And I can't, like I say, I can't see another team trading for him because they're looking at the same injured list that we are. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, uh, for for the in the Rockies' case, obviously, uh, my, my point wasn't, 
to say that necessarily that obviously he, he would just automatically become healthy once he gets traded to every team. But from my perspective, what I was saying is when you're looking at a team that typically doesn't spend a crazy amount of money, they're 14th on payroll in the major leagues. Right. Uh, so what, what, what my, the point I was trying to make was that maybe it would be best to maybe trade him to a contending team who can afford to hold that contract and the Rockies can get a huge haul back and spend money on guys who would be healthy. That, that, that was sort of what I was trying to get to. Not sure what you... The, the yeah, I can see that. The, the, the issue, though, is um, when there's that much money involved and that many injuries, no team is going to do that. No team is going to um, send a bunch of their prospects and take on the contract. The Rockies probably would have had to pay maybe every penny that they owed Chris Bryant just to get a team to do it and get decent prospects out of it. Hey, when, when there was the um, when, when there was the problem with Nolan Arenado, there really weren't a lot of teams wanting to trade for that contract, and the Rockies knew in the, to get anything at all back, and they did get uh, Austin Gomber, and they got back um, Hilarious Montero, another guy who really hasn't turned the corner and, and he's getting a chance now. But in order to do that, they still had to pay $51 million because there weren't a lot of teams wanting that contract. If you look at the history of big contracts that get traded, there aren't a lot of suitors and the team has to pay. I mean, you look at the Marlins, they paid an awful lot of money to Giancarlo Stanton to move him to the Yankees. They paid an awful lot of money for um, to move uh, Ozuna to the um, to the uh, Cardinals, I believe it was, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, the Cardinals. And, and I mean, just, just all throughout, that's what happens when teams sign that contract, that big contract, and the Rockies thought, hey, Chris Bryant could lift this team. They needed somebody to lift the team coming out of the pandemic year. Well, you know, it hasn't happened. Uh, and sometimes when you take that risk, it is very hard to recover from it. That's why the team is going to be young around. Here. I'm sure Rafal loves having the injured Jordan Carl stand on his Yankees to root for. And yes, you got to love it. you got to love it. <laughs> well, hey, he did some good things before he got hurt, and probably he did a lot of those good things while still being paid. I mean, listen, he just hit back-to-back -back home runs in the past two games, so we got something brewing in here. <laughs> Thomas, I want to ask, the, the MLB draft just happened a few few weeks ago. We kind of were talking a little bit earlier about how the Rockies did a lot of prospects and like recouping a lot of prospects in their trades, uh, but how, how did the Rockies do in their draft? Is it something that you can look forward to, or did they maybe miss on some guys, or, or kind of what, what are your thoughts? Well, we don't know right now, but what we do know is this. I think it was 16 pitchers last year. 14 this year. Chase Dolander from Tennessee, um, there was talk about him being the number one pick. He did not have as good a year for Tennessee, but he was available at nine. The Rockies had to grab him. Um, the, and, and you look throughout the draft, there are all kind of interesting little stories like Sean Sullivan from Wake Forest. His stuff doesn't blow you away, but there are a lot of left-handed pitchers that seem to get in on bats and miss bats. He is one of those guys in there. Um, there are a few, I, I, I guess, um, interesting position players. Uh, Chase, K uh, and, and pardon me if I'm mispronouncing the name, but Chase Garrick from San Diego State. Catcher, shortstop, center field. One of the best athletes you can imagine, and, and, and he's moving around there. And like I say, it's just a whole lot of pitchers in the draft. So um, some of the guys are just showing up in rookie ball. It's it's hard to kind of guess on a draft right after it happens, 
but what you want is uh, is for a few guys to pan out. What you don't want is a f like a few years back they drafted Riley Pike, who's now looks like he's going to get a chance as a reliever, but he was the fourth overall pick um, and really struggled through the minor league system. And there were a couple of guys that ended up having injuries and not getting there. So you so they're flooding the market with pitchers. I thought that last year's draft was a lot heavier on hitters, and you're seeing some guys move through the system now that are going to be pretty good players a couple of years down the road. So when we're talking on, on a prospects note, I, I think there's a few guys in the Rocky system that have really stood out, uh, at least in my eyes. Obviously, Zach Veen, the number of prospect, is out for the rest of the year. Uh, the, obviously, the wrist tendon surgery, that kind of, uh, now he's done for the year. But there's two guys, at least uh, for me, that, uh, I don't know, Thomas, maybe they can potentially make an impact this season or maybe next season. Uh, two guys that I want to mention, Aaron Schunk, 860 OPS uh, at AAA through 77 games this year. Another guy that really impressed me that I kind of followed through college and obviously once he got drafted is a guy, Jordan Beck, who actually covered uh, his draft profile last, uh, last year. He uh, was drafted in 2022 with Primetime Sports where I used to write. I actually did his draft profile and he was someone that really stood out to me because he's showed a lot of maturity uh, at the plate. He sped through rookie ball and A ball really fast and is ready at AAA, hard, AA Hartford. And he's really just showing a lot of potential at the plate and obviously he's raw power. So is he someone that can, are these two guys uh, prospects that can make a splash uh, in the uh, coming years? Well, I'll tell you what, Aaron Schunk is having a good year at AAA. Obviously, you look at the numbers, and um, there, there's some power involved. There, there, are, there are some good things to like about him. I don't know that um, – I, I don't see enough AAA to see how those numbers will translate to the majors. I mean, you're looking at Elaris Montero, where if he had stayed in AAA, you know, he could have been the – what is it, the Aaron Judge of AAA, but here he's having trouble – putting the ball in place. So I've seen Aaron Schunk. He can play a number of positions. There's a lot to like about him, and you would hope he'd have a chance before the end of the season. To me, Jordan Beck feels like the real deal. He's among the leaders in minor league baseball and home runs and a lot of the power numbers. And, yes, he blew through um, the, the, the low levels, gets to double A, and, I mean, he's really producing consistently. He's a guy... You know, I wouldn't be totally surprised to see him in the major leagues. The other guy who's at double A who also had really good numbers in class A and got moved up this year is Yankeo Fernandez out of the um, international program. <coughs> Corner outfielder in the uh, Futures game he threw. I think he had a throw of like 98 miles an hour from right field to third base. I mean, a real specimen out there. So there are people in the system that, yeah, you may see toward the end of the year. I'm starting to wonder about the catcher, Drew Romo, who struggled offensively for about two and a half months, and it looks like he's picked that up some. He was a uh, first-round pick, 35th overall in, in 2020, <coughs> out of high school in Texas. He's a catcher. Can he break in with the team toward the end of this year? I know they have a lot of hopes for him in the future. So, yeah, you're, you're looking at guys that are, peak, that, that are showing up in AA, maybe some that, that started the year in Class A, that they may be the offensive forces that the Rockies are looking for down the road. But obviously, you know, they're going to have to do it at this level. So one guy uh, I actually forgot about, he's a pitcher that I think 
uh, pitched a few games at AAA. Uh, I think he had a 90 RA through, made two starts at AAA before he had that injury. I, I think it was, uh, yeah, Ryan Rawlison. Uh, is he someone that can maybe crack the rotation next year once he gets healthy, or is it more of just once he gets healthy, the Rockies want him to develop more in AAA before he's ready to be called up? This is, you know, two years into this, because uh, a couple of years ago they thought maybe, you know, he was going to be ready, but then he had the surgery last year, and it's been very tough to come back from it. And historically, shoulder surgeries are very tough to come back from. Um, he, he pitched a few games this year, lower levels than I think two in AAA, but then the shoulder flared up again, went um, back to Arizona to work a bit. It flared up again. He had a cortisone shot, but he's back throwing bullpens now. So whenever he is fully healthy, they're going to give him an opportunity to crack this rotation. It's just been so hard to get him healthy. And, and he's a guy that I, I think he has a pretty good field to pitch. His stuff doesn't blow you away, but he was the first round pick in 2018 out of Ole Miss. I, ex I expect them to give him the opportunity to break in. It's just that health has hurt him. And another guy that's, uh, <coughs> that, that's in that same boat is guy out of the, um, a guy out of the international program, Helcris Olivares. He was ready to probably go to double-A last season and maybe by the end of the year be in the major leagues. He has the same shoulder issue. He is back throwing now. I think he's just starting to throw bullpen. So you look throughout this system and the major leagues and the uh, perfect storm of pitching injuries really is part of the reason why they're so far down in last place. And, you know, the pitchers right now are guys you talk about because you don't see them. Yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy that there hasn't been really one pitcher's been able to sustain any sort of success uh, year over year in Colorado but at the same time I mean it is a very offensive inducing ballpark out there as well so you can kind of understand it a little bit but Thomas I want to ask since we're in the second half of the season here we're closing in on kind of the end of it here who are some who is either your favorite player or players that fans should kind of keep an eye out for that could have a really um good second half or even just an eye-opening second half well i think that ezekiel tovar at shortstop has opened a lot of like eyes him. around this game um <clears throat> one of the better defensive players there and after a very slow offensive start he's really picked it up offensively and there's still things he needs to learn laying off that um laying off the right-hander slider on the outer part of the plate but you see him go the other way with pitches and and when he gets one he's able to pull it um, he's a guy that I think is uh, definitely a real deal in fact uh, the question you have about him is can he fit in with the history of shortstops here which is really funny because you, when you talk about the Rockies you think about home runs and, and and some of the offensive players but you go all the way back to the beginning where their original shortstop was Vinny Castilla. He moves to third. Walt Weiss gives them some time. Nafi Perez won a gold glove. Um, you have uh, Troy Tulowitzki, who was outstanding during his time here, and then Trevor Story. So you're looking at a pretty good run of shortstops in the history of this team. And everybody believes, and I'm and watching it, I have no argument against it. Ezekiel Tovar is next. So he is kind of the guy that, that, that you're really looking at. Also, I'm interested to see how the season finishes for, for um, 
I, I'm sorry. Um, gosh, Elias Diaz, the catcher. I'm really interested to see how that finishes because there have been some streaky periods in the past where he's done really well, then really poorly at the plate. Um, I think he's matured a bit as a catcher, matured a bit as a hitter, w ended up getting the, um, the MVP award in the All-Star game. Uh, Catching's a tough position here. I think uh, there, it's hard to find someone who's going to catch more than 115 games in a season, and, but the use of the DH will keep his bat in the lineup. I want to see him finish strong because there's one more year on that contract next year, and the Rockies can go into next year feeling pretty good about the catching situation, or maybe a team that's catching poor can make a big offer and try to get him in a trade for the last year of a very club-friendly contract. So those are the guys th that when I look at them, I'm like, okay, um, you know, kind of want to see what they do at the end of the year. And I'll throw one more out there, Justin Lawrence, who's become the closer there. Uh, really strong slider. You see it on the pitching ninja things. Uh, it, it, it's a sweeper, they call it, and, and he's kind of really gotten into it. You see some growing pains, but you see a lot of talent in a closer role for him. So, so I'll, I'll, I will add him to the, that list of guys that as the season is going on, you want to see um, good things from them, and they're not just, you know, guys getting their feet wet. So, Thomas, I just got one more question before we wrap this up. Uh, when you look at a team like the Rockies, who obviously were sellers at the deadline, and really the past few years have been sellers. So, when you... Into the second half, uh, I, I, I was one. I was just interested in this. What's sort of the directive, and the, like, is there anything the Rockies like to accomplish on a like a more? I would say like a bigger note, not just like small. Uh, getting this guy healthy, getting this guy on track. Like, I, I would say in the larger picture, is there anything the Rockies would like to accomplish? Like a sort of directive for the rest of the season of like anything in specific that they want to address. Uh, before they head out to the offseason? Well, well, I think what they've done all along is um, it, it's been very good that Bud Black has been the manager because he, excuse me, he has kind of bought in to this rebuilding situation that they're having. But what he does is he, he inserts young guys into the lineup, and I go back to 17 and 18, his first two years here, is that, yeah, they're trying to learn. But there's a standard that you have to meet in order to keep getting your opportunities here. I think guys are going to get more opportunities than maybe they would on, under a normal circumstance. But by the end of this season, I think the, the key is simply having um, guys kind of uh, know what to do at the major league level and also understand that whatever it is they do, they're trying to win ball games. Um, I, I don't think that there there is a like like something with the record or anything like that. Hey, this may be the first 100-loss season in the history of the Rockies, and it, it may be unavoidable, but, uh, but do they have guys they can move forward with? I think that is really um, the entire assignment for the rest of the season. Well, Thomas, I got to say, after talking with you here, I am feeling a lot more positive and a lot more like upbeat about the Rockies' future here. Uh, moving forward. I mean, it sounds like they've got a plan in place. It sounds like they're moving along the path of that plan and executing it, and hopefully they'll be turning, turning things around in Colorado because it is always cool to see, you know, playoff baseball in, in Colorado, especially out, out there. Um, it's, you know, 
I like the park. I, I love the ballpark out there. I think it's one of the prettier ones in Major League Baseball. But Thomas, want to thank you for coming on. But before before we really wrap up the show, can you again let us know? I know you mentioned earlier in the show you got a newsletter coming out. But any besides the reminder about the newsletter, but then also anything else that you're working on that fans can look forward to seeing. Well, yes. Um and it's good I'm sitting here in Denver on a beautiful night, as you saw when we had video. Um, I will be joining the team in Milwaukee, but I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have the weekend off. But, yeah, I do the Rockies Beat newsletter, and it appears in your inbox if you sign up for it every Monday and Friday. And a lot of times I'm covering exactly what's going on with the team and, and, and actually breaking down players, breaking down situations. Um, and, like I say, the, the um, thing on Suter, and, and exactly where he stands with possibly retaining him from for next year, then yeah, I'll have that. And hey, when I watch the Rockies, and, this, and I've, I've been saying this for a while, the fans, you know, they're, they're not very happy right now. I mean, because, you know, you had Nolan Arenado, you had a couple of playoff runs, but then everything went back to kind of the way it had been. The, the strange thing about the Rockies is I can say that usually – when they are a contender, nobody sees it coming because you watch young guys break in. You watch how difficult it is to pitch here, and, and, and you're thinking, when is it ever going to happen? Then the pitching gets together. I mean, the, the 07 World Series run, it wasn't starting pitching. It was relief pitching that carried them, but it, 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 it sometimes comes out of nowhere. So this is a team that you could almost go into almost every single year and expect them to be fourth or fifth place. But some of those years, they end up going to the playoffs. So, you know, I, I, I can't sit here and tell Rockies fans, hey, this is going to happen, and this, and this is when it's going to happen. But when it does, it is special around here. Yeah, yeah, it always is. Making the playoffs is always special. Um, my Mariners finally got back in the playoffs for the first time in 20-plus years, so that was really cool. Um, <laughs> that was great, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of Rockies folks out there. I covered Scott yeah. Service as a player, covered – Jerry Depoto is a player. I mean, Andy McKay, their, their minor league guy, he was um, a sports psychologist okay. with the Rockies. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of Rockies in, in, in that Seattle team. And, <laughs> frankly, after last year, I wonder if th there's some of that Rockies, too, where you um, do quite well and then you fall off. I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Me too, me too. It doesn't appear to be the case this, this season. <laughs> I I've been kind of doom and gloom on them. Uh, I don't believe they'll make the playoffs, even though they are, you know, as of yesterday, three games out of the third wild card spot. I just don't see it happening. They've kind of been a 500 team all season long. And well, if the Yankees to... are in a competition, then you have no chance. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thomas, thank you again for coming on. For everybody out there, you can find Thomas on what used to be called Twitter. It's now called X at Harding underscore at MLB or at underscore MLB, and that is at, not the at symbol, but actually A-T, the, the spelling of the actual word at. So find him there on Twitter. Hey, my, my handle is as confusing as this freaking <laughs> X. Does it get more complicated I, okay, than that? Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I never liked, <laughs> sometimes I've had a love-hate relationship, well, actually, hey, a, a hate despise relationship with Twitter and now it's X. Yeah, it's the same. I, I, I'm with you. It's kind of crazy what's going on with them. Um, 
But yeah, thank you again, Thomas, for coming on. For all the fans out there, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Replacement Level One. Please give us a follow. Please hit us up. We'd love to chat with you guys, get your thoughts, get your feedback. You can check out the show on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. And you can also check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, really, any place else that you can get podcasts out there, we're on there. So give us a listen, give us a follow, share, tell your friends about us. And again, just want to thank Thomas for coming on. We really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm a little more optimistic about the Colorado Rockies as they wrap up this season and go into the future. It sounds like they've got a bright future, and I'm, for one, I'm looking forward to it. So again, Thomas, thank you for coming on. And for everybody else, we'll see you guys all next week.